What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. We have the pleasure this week of talking to the dazzler himself, Bobby Holland Hanton. Now, any females in the audience, there's probably some pretty strong name recognition there. But for the men, let me try another approach. James Bond, Thor, Ethan Hunt. I had to, <laughs> I had to look up uh, the name of Tom Cruise's character in Mission Impossible before he started this. I couldn't remember for the life of me. Bobby Holland Hanton is a stuntman behind some of the most iconic action scenes in modern cinema. I, I mean, Avengers, Harry Potter. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I encourage you to take a look at his IMDb profile. He's been stunt doubling for Chris Hemsworth for the last 10 years. He's had an amazing career. And what has been so cool is that thanks to social media, we have an opportunity to see how he actually does a lot of this stuff. And it is fascinating. And if you've ever taken a look, in, in addition to the amazing stunt work that he's done in movies, he is a serious high-level athlete. Former, uh, I believe, national champion gymnast, former semi-pro soccer player. Like, it, it just goes on and on. And when you see what he's physically capable of, I mean, you see that high-level athleticism come out. So I was so excited to talk to him just to understand, hey, what goes into being a high-level stuntman? How does he keep himself in such great athletic shape? And you'll hear a little bit today uh, that that hasn't come without its own challenges and obstacles. He's had some serious injuries to overcome. But in addition to all of that, I mean, he and the Chris Hemsworth team, like they are on fire right now. He actually just wrote his first book. So we talk a little bit about that today. It's called The Adventures of Eddie and Flip Boy. It's, it's for young kids. My kids loved it. So highly recommend it. But yeah, just a fascinating conversation, and it doesn't hurt that Thor Love and Thunder is, is out right now. I think we're going to go try and see that tomorrow night. And uh, boy, w- what a great conversation, and uh, just a solid salt-of-the-earth guy. Really enjoyed this one. So I hope you enjoy it, and if you're liking the show, please do leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen. And if you've been a long-term fan of the show, you want to support please do go over on a Patreon where you can do just that. We're building out a community and I'm trying to create more ways to interact with those who are passionate about the show and everything that we're doing. So without further ado, please welcome Bobby Holland Hanton to the show. Here we go. We're going up. Well, Bobby, welcome to the show. Excited to speak with you today. Thank you for having me, mate. Um, I really appreciate your time, and uh, it's great to be on. Absolutely. And uh, we were just catching up a little bit beforehand. We were talking Australia. Where Where are you coming to us from currently? Are you in the UK right now? Yeah, I'm back in back at home in London in the UK. Um, I was in Australia for the best part of 2021. To, to, at the end of 2020 into 2021 on Thor, Love & Thunder. I was there for the best part of eight months and then came home for five weeks to the UK and then went back to Australia to start prep and rehearsals on extraction two, um, which, Oh, got there we go. Down. Yeah. got shut down after about five weeks, uh, cause of COVID. Um, oh, no so I, I went to Byron, um, and spent a couple of weeks with Chris and, and, and Zoc and the team and Azza and they, until they figured out what they were going to do. And then when they decided that they were going to pick it back up in Prague. So then I went to Prague for eight months to, to finish extraction two. Oh, wow. So I've, I've been I've been away from home for the best part of two years. That's what I was going to ask you. It's got to be nuts. It's really tough. Yeah, it is tough. It's um, to juggle home and to you know work life as well and try and be present. It's it's very very difficult. It doesn't it doesn't lend to family life if I'm honest. Mm, yeah. Well, I got to imagine too, like given, given your line of work, you know, it's like you, you kind of, there, there's a set period of time where you got to take advantage of these awesome opportunities, you know? And it feels yeah. like as an outsider, it's like right now you and you and the team are on fire. Yeah, exactly. And listen, I've, I've been a professional stunt performer now in film and TV for 15 years. Um, you know, before that I was a, a gymnast from a very young age. I started gymnastics when I was four and retired when I was 17 for Great Britain. I then played semi-pro football and then I went into live acrobatic stunt shows and then commercials, free running commercials and soccer commercials and 
I, you know, my whole life, I kind of, it's kind of been a physical degree for me and yeah. to get to where I've got to after 15 years of stunts. Um, you know, I'm very grateful of, of doing that at the highest level, but you know, I've been with Chris for 10 years in this contract. We've done 15 films together. He's one of my closest friends mm. and that opportunity doesn't happen very often. And, you know, he's an inspiration and, you know, that, that is something that you can't really, you know, give up and I especially can't give up that right now. You know, there comes a time when things change, but, um, you know, the opportunity that I have with that and, and to work with the most amazing people and the great team. And like you said, he's on fire and that, that in tow, that means the rest of our, us as a group, we, we, we go together everywhere all over the world and we're like one big family. And, you know, it's what every stunt performer wants is to be able to be in a top actors action contract, like, you know, an action mm. actor in their contract. And that, that's, um, that, that's very far and few between. So I'm very fortunate that I've been given the opportunity and I think, you know, I've worked so hard to get to where I've got to that, you know, I'm not going to give that up lightly. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect so. Look, the day jobs suck, man. Don't, don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't entertain coming back to do what we're all doing. Um, well, let me ask you this. So, you know, you just mentioned that you've been working with Chris for the last 10 years, but I mean, you know, if someone were to pull up your IMDb, I mean, it's it's like 50 plus movies and I mean, huge, huge movies, huge actors. Are you still like at this point in your career? I imagine you can probably be a bit more selective. Are you still um, working primarily just with like Chris when he has his movies or are you still, um, you know, supporting other actors like in their action roles? I mean, listen, if there's if time allows and I'm actually not working with Chris, which is not very often. Um, yeah. Then if I'll, I'll come home and have a bit of downtime because that's important. But then once that downtime's up, I generally go back with Chris. He has something starting straight away. He's the busiest man on the planet. Um, so in that respect, yeah, I, I still try and you know connect and work with the, the people that I've worked with over the over the years. And yeah. you know, I, I did the last Mission Impossible, not the newest one coming out, Mission Impossible Six. Um, and I, I jumped on for the last five weeks and, and took over and stunt double for Henry Cavill. Um, on that and you know that there's been opportunities to, to double other people while i've been with chris but to be totally honest i'm so busy with chris that when i do have time off it's it's to recover and rest up have some family time um yeah and and you know reboot you know re regenerate you know you try and get his back to you know rest is is very important so i think um i think i'm just very fortunate that chris works all the time that it means most of my time i'm with him but yeah, I've got great friends in the industry that, that I, I can jump on with and work with. And I like to do that every now and again, if I can, and I've got time that I can, I, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that, that sounds like a pretty uh, unique, special situation. Well, and, and something else too, um, you know, it seems like oftentimes, right. Someone who's in like the stunt line of work uh, is, you know, oftentimes like in the back behind the scenes, it feels like you have become a celebrity in your own right. And I hope you take that uh, as, as well-intentioned as it is because I had both my mother and my wife being like, you've got to get Bobby Dazzler on the podcast. No way. That's amazing. That's, that's great. My mom's probably going to be very upset actually that I didn't like somehow like get her in like the third screen oh, here. No but uh, no yeah, way. but I mean, look, it seems like you've built like a very, um, you know, successful career just like on the back of, of your own personality and capabilities. Yeah, I think, um, you know, certainly when I first started 15 years ago, social media wasn't around. Um, mm. And I think when that became so prominent in people's lives and it was just everywhere and it, it blew up, you know, like Facebook and Instagram and, and, and things like that, TikTok. And I think it was, to, for me, I think that was something that I felt needed to be utilized in, in the way that things are in today's world. And I think that being able to do that will encourage, you know, new stunt performers all over the world to get involved. And, you know, we need, especially here in the UK, we need some more talent because mm. it's so busy here in the UK with film and TV, especially now the streaming channels, so busy that the demand yeah. for performers has never been higher. So we need the top people, then we need to get more people in. So it's, it's about also thinking about the future. And I think, you know, by promoting stuff on Instagram and showing what we can do, people were kind of, oh, wow, I didn't get to see that before. I didn't know that stunt performers did this. I don't, didn't know that that was them. And obviously, you know, that's part of the movie and that's why we're there is it's about the actor doing it. But fortunately for me, Chris has been so supportive of me and my career and what I do. And he's so respectful and, you know, he's, he's so happy for what, you know, I bring to the table and the team yeah. that he's always been promoting stuff for me on his social medias and 
um, you know, just being so supportive, which that's sometimes, well, I mean, I say sometimes it's very, very difficult to come by people like that. You know, in his eyes, he's like, look, dude, you know, because Chris is incredibly athletic and he does a hell of a lot of his own stunts and he could do a lot more than he's actually allowed. But due to schedule and, you know, um, timing and and trying to get everything done and, and shooting on different units and also, if he does something that's not necessary, you're not really going to tell it's Chris. It's not big enough for him to do it. There's no mm. point in getting an injury that could, you know, stop the production, and then they've that costs a lot of money until he's fit again. It's just it's about being strategic in this whole approach and having a team around you to get that result and that film done to the highest level, and then you can move on to the next. And I think that's very important. And Chris is very clever in that in that way. And what he is great at is look, look, this is, that's you doing that. And I want to, I want the world to know that you did that because it's tough. You've worked hard your whole life and you've got, you know, you've trained so hard in what you do. And like I said before, I call it a physical degree to have those people in your corner. It makes a massive difference. So I think that's been part of the, you know, social media and and, and elevating stunt performers through social media. And and I think I, I hope that because of that, and I started that very early on, I hope, and I know it has helped a lot of stunt performers and it helps stunt performers get work now. Because mm. coordinators, instead of going to look in a book like they used to, they just quickly pull up something on their social media or the website, right. and look at the video and see what they can do on their showroom and they go, okay, let's get this person in. So it, it's very beneficial to the industry. That is no doubt. Yeah. Well, and what's been fun too is, um, and, and look, like I'm, I'm probably not on social media uh, as much as I even let on. Like for me, oftentimes social media, it's like, I have a lot of stuff I want to accomplish. And so I'm trying to cut out things that maybe like take my attention off of what I need to be doing. Right. Uh, but yours is one of the social media channels that I love to go through because you. you do, you get that behind the scenes look like today I was just looking at, I don't know when you posted it, but it was a video of rolling basically off the back of a bridge. I think it was for extraction. Maybe it was for the same one. And so one very, it's just very cool, right? Like you're like, oh, wow, like that's how they do that. But then I read the caption and it's like, yeah, it would have been a lot more fun if this wasn't into three feet of water. And I was like, holy shit. Is that what they're doing? Is that why he's on the wire? Um, So that that all along, that stun was going to be done with no no wires and done freely, organic. Oh, okay. Preferred to do much, you know, performers get the opportunity to do something like that. It's great. But what happened was when we actually arrived in Thailand, because they obviously do scouts, they do location scouts and go, okay, that's a great place to do it. But when yeah. they scouted it, the tide was much higher. So then when we actually got there to shoot, the tide was much lower, but that was the location that we had chosen. So the next thing is the coordinator and the, you know, how can we make this work? Because this is where we've got to do it. So yeah. then the amazing rigging team comes in um, and they we rehearse it on the wires and they stop me just as my feet touch the water and then we're out of that shot by then and we cut to another shot and he enters the water. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's movie magic trying to make it work for the scene and the shot and actually just adapt to things when, because there's always obstacles in, in film and weight locations, what you do, that's just part and sure. part of it. It's just how we adapt to that and make it work. So that was the reason that, that, that we had to put a cable on. And I was, I was bummed out. I was like, oh, damn, I wanted to do that for, you know, for free organically. And that's, you know, you get a lot of, uh, that's what we love to do. And I love doing stuff like that, high, high falls and high, high, high work stuff. So it was unfortunate, but we had to make it work. And I think we did a great job making it work. And the whole team collectively, the stunt coordinator, the, you know, the rigging team, it worked, it worked well. Well, and that's, I think that's what's so cool too. And you kind of said this a little bit. It's like, and I imagine this is probably why Chris feels the way he does. Number one, the average viewer normally doesn't get to see what's going on behind the scenes to make these shots work, right? Like maybe it got collected at the end of a movie and like a bonus reel or something like that. Um, But I think, you know, watching how you guys put together a stunt like that, even just in a 30 second clip, like you, you kind of get like a better sense of like the magic that's happening to pull some of this stuff off. Um, like I remember, you know, my, my kids are obsessed, like probably most kids with the Avengers Thor, like absolutely love it uh you know some of the stuff that we put on our household i'm like i don't know if they're old enough for this but you know what we're gonna run with it good um and and i don't remember how we got to watching it but we were watching how you film some of the scenes and there was this one where you were rigged up to a wire and i don't know how fast it was ripping you back or the g-forces you must have been experiencing but it's like pulling you back into a tree yeah you know and when you watch it live in the movie you're like oh that's incredible like cgi i wonder how they do that and then you get to see like, oh my God. Yeah, no CGI in that one. <laughs> That's not CGI. Um, yeah, that was, that was on Avengers Endgame. And uh, I remember we rehearsed the, the gag to make sure that it worked and it was safe. And then on the day, there was always a chance that, you know, it needed to be faster. And Sam mm. Hargrave was second year director on that. And 
we did a couple and he just called me over. He said, look, it's good. I know, I know you can do it better. I know that we can make it look better. You know, mm. are you okay with, you know, us pumping up the PSI in the ram, the, the, the hydraulic ram that, that, that jerks us into the tree? And I just said, listen, let's do it. Let's do it one time. Let's get it as good as we yeah. want it. You know, it means it's going to be a bit of a spanker, but that's part and parcel of what we do. Sometimes that is the case. Okay, well, this one, we just need to go a bit harder. You know, we get one done, one and done, and we get out of there. So we did it. It was very, very fast. It was rapid. Um, you know, and it was, uh, I had a front line. I had a back line pulling me into a tree and then a front line pulling me into the ground. So I'll try it, and get the clip and I'll try and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes so people yeah, can see if um, you have it. But. but, you know, it was, it was great. It was a bit of a head ringer and I was, you know, saw stars for a minute, but you know, it's, it was a great gag. I'm proud of it. And, uh, you know, it is, it was needed on the day and, and we pulled it off. So, um, yeah, there's lots of, there's been lots of that type of thing in my career where I'm getting ragdolled around and, you know, that's, that's just what we need to do to drive that story and what they want at that moment for that storytelling point. So, you know, yeah. it's part and parcel of it. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Well, and, and one of the things I wanted to pick your brain about a little bit today, you know, just, just given the nature of your work and like that being an example, um, you know, you've documented a lot about like your physical fitness regimen. Uh, and I would also love to talk about like your just like desire to kind of like educate people, especially the youth. I know you have a book where I definitely want to talk about that. Um, but for you, like, is there anything in your mind that you're doing that is um, setting you up to be more resilient to um, these kinds of stunts that are like incredibly physically demanding? You know, like I, I think, so I guess maybe here's what I'm really asking, right? Like it's one thing to like train out to look aesthetically a certain way, right? Like a bodybuilder can look great, but functionally like there might not be a whole lot to it. Yeah. Like for you, like what are you doing to balance like the, the functional demands of like the stunt work with also just in some instances, like the beating <laughs> that your body's going to take? Yeah, I think... Throughout the years, I think the the industry and the stunt community has changed massively over the years. We have to become more advanced at what we do and take a lot more care in what we do than it was maybe back in the day. And that's you know mm. no respect to the older stunt women and stunt men out there, but it was just different then. And I think it's the same as films. Things move on. You need to you know need to evolve, and that means that the stunt performers need to be more resilient. They need to be fitter. They need to be stronger. And you know I class us as you know athletes. We're athletes now. We you know so. Right. When we're at work and say, for example, I'm filming a movie and, and for example, Thor, Love and Thunder that comes out next month, you know, that was the biggest I've ever been. And that was the biggest Chris has ever been. And it was something that we spoke about in COVID. And he said, look, I want to be the healthiest and strongest I've ever been. And that means we're going to train even harder than what we do before. And we always train hard. So it's, you know, it's just pushing that envelope and raising that bar as much yeah. as we possibly can to get those, get those results. But, you know, and that was for the look. But then I had to also take into consideration that I'm doing a lot of the stunts as well. I'm flying around right. and the heavier I am, the harder it's to control. And the landings are obviously a lot harder. So yeah. I still need to make sure I'm as functional as I possibly can. And what I do is, as a backup for me and what I have done my whole career is I always go back to my gymnastic days when it was all my own body weight stuff. So you wow. know, a lot of um, you know rings and you know pull-ups and push-ups and, and and dips and 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 stuff like that because all of that handstand push-ups and handstand walking and all of that you know that body weight strengthening stuff that is internal and it's that's what makes me strong having a strong core um, yeah. and I've had that luckily from such a young age from gymnastics and it's ingrained in me it's built in me and that's I always go back to that as my as my backup and also my um, my go-to for being able to still be agile, but also aesthetically still reach what I need to reach. And that is not easy. That's been 15 years of trial and error, trial and error. And I feel like yeah. over the years I've, I've kind of mastered what works for me and um, which might not necessarily work for everyone else. But I just think that I can always draw upon my gymnastic days that have put me in such good stead physically. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm 38 this month and I'm certainly not getting any younger. And it, the injuries that you get, they take longer. You feel it more in the mornings in the day, you know, that's just part and parcel of what we do and getting older. But I think how to try and manage that the best way I possibly can is to eat the best way I possibly can. Yeah. You know, keep training for what I need to train. And when I'm not working, like for example, now I maintain, I, I, I do all my own body weight stuff and then I might go and I isolate a couple of muscle groups, but I try and maintain a level ground that if I get a phone call to go and double Thor again, then I can try and get there. I mean, not this time around, it was much longer than six weeks, but I try and keep to a, I try and keep at a level where I can either lose it or put it on in like a six to eight week period. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was wondering too. Like, especially, um, God, I was looking it up, but you know, it's just, just like the nature of some of the different actors that you've doubled for, like completely different, like body sizes, shapes, demands. Like I, I've always been curious, like how, how difficult is that? Like, you know, like as an outsider, like, you know, I'm like, well, he's like a big built guy. And like he and Chris actually look like they kind of have a similar build. Like maybe that's easier. But like how challenging is it for you and and for, you know, stunt workers in general to like match like that aesthetic look of the person that you're doubling for? Or is that some of the movie magic where it's not as critical as maybe I'm I'm making it out to be? It's it's really tough, but it's also down to the stunt performer to really try and embody that and 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 try and do the best you possibly can to get the best in the best shape you can to be stunt doubling for your actor. You know, it's okay getting the job, but you want to keep that job. You need to work as hard as you possibly can to, to be in the shape that the actor is. Unfortunately for me, I say, unfortunately, I'm very fortunate to know and have worked with Chris and be a stunt double. But unfortunately for me, he's one of the, he's probably in the best shape in Hollywood full stop. Um, Yeah. I think there's not a lot of, so as if I had an, you know, an actor that, is still in great shape, but something I'd be able to obtain a lot easier. I'm six foot one, Chris is six foot four. You know, I sit around, naturally sit around, around 85, 86 kg. Chris sits around naturally about 95 kg. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, you know, I've got to, you know, train. Um, I've got to, you know, protein powders like creatine. I'm trying to train and get to the shape I need to get to and, and train a lot. And then that's what Chris will do as well to get to the shape he's just got in, you know, got got into for, for Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, so it's, so it's, what, it's, what I'm hearing is it's it's, it's, it's like I'm doubling it, an actor that's the same weight and height as me. I'm, I'm doubling someone that's a man mountain. Yeah, I was going to say so. It's, so it's easier to double for uh, Chris Pratt than it is Chris Hemsworth, is what I took away from well, Chris that. Is a, and that Chris is in that'll great be the, that'll be the tagline, by the way. Chris, is, Chris Pratt is in great shape as well, and he yeah um, he is he looks great dude. He's a big dude, so I don't think that'd be very easy doubling him. I think I'm mm. for me when I, you know actors that I've doubled over the years like Channing Tatum is much more of a physique that's easier for me to obtain because I think yeah. we're a similar height and a similar build. You know, naturally before we start training and going crazy in the gym and training. Um, you know, I think when I first doubled Daniel Craig in Quantum of Solace, my first ever film, I was 23, so I was at Still had my gymnastic physique. I was a lot slimmer. That's awesome. So it worked well for, for Daniel. Um, yeah. So I, I, it's it, it's a, it's difficult, and it is part and parcel of the, of the job. And the actors that I've doubled over the years, I've taken it very seriously to try and get in the best possible shape to match them that I can, and that's all you can do, really. Well, you know, and one of the things that I wanted to ask you too, like you mentioned, just how unique kind of the relationship is that you have with like Chris and team. Like if you were, when, you know, when you worked with some of these other actors, like, is it common for um, the actor and stunt worker to train together to some level or kind of get aligned on what they're doing? Or is this, you know, kind of the relationship that you have with Chris is just kind of like extremely unique in the fact that you guys like train and prepare together? It, uh, it's definitely extremely unique. There's the, no doubt about that. And I'm again, I'm so fortunate for that and that relationship we have, but, um, it happens, it happens a lot. It happens more and more now. I think that, you know, becomes, you know, if an actor's got their stunt double that, you know, they might want to train with them or, you know, there's a lot always stunt rehearsals and fight rehearsals that you do with your actor anyway. If they yeah. train outside of that in their own time in the gym is a different story, but it, it does happen. Um, hmm. I just think that me doing it with Chris for the past 10 years and 15 films later, we, we have a great routine that we, you know, and we, we egg each other on, we elevate each other and we push each other. And that's what you need to be able to do. And and it just makes it even easier that, you know, we're such good friends and we have such a good time and and so much fun when we're working together. So it just, you know, I'll go in after work, I'll go and crash at his and we're like, right, sit a training session and have a big steak. Like it's just, it's just, yeah, very fortunate that we have that relationship. That's awesome. Well, and, and you mentioned something too. So I, I'm, I'm 35 and I'm constantly wrestling with this. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, bless you. I, you know, I at 35, I still feel like I could actually compete at a very high level, similar to what I did when I was like, let's say 22. Like it's not as easy, but I almost feel like some of the age related things that I'm dealing with are a more byproduct of like my day-to-day routine sitting in front of a computer 
all day yeah. versus like what I'm physically capable of. Um, for you, I mean, you've been active and athletic at such a high level your entire life. Like, how are you feeling present day at 38? Like, are you starting to notice like, boy, age starts to wear on you? Or do you still feel like really sharp? Like kind of, kind of where are you on that spectrum? Um, that's a good question. And I'm, I'm trying to think how I answer this to come out of this as the best looking I possibly can. So yeah, I'm just about to turn 38. I think over the years, and it stemmed from gymnastics, not just the 15 years in stunts, but you know, the, the time before that from gymnastics. And I think yeah. that it's not as easy. I, I wake up in the morning and like, for example, I had such a bad back from gymnastics and then from 16 years old until literally 2000, March 2019, my back was so bad and it gradually got worse and worse and worse. My discs, um, L4, L5, S1 level were just went through every stage of, of, of rupturing and they exploded. Then there were basically nothing left. There's no, you know, it, they were dead. Um, and then there was, they shrunk so much. It almost, it was literally vertebrae on vertebrae. By the time I had surgery, I've now got two titanium discs at that level. But since I had that surgery, my lower back is the best it's ever been, even from when I was 17. Really? So, yeah. And that's, so I would say now I'm 38, my lower back's better than it was when I was 17. But that if I do something like, for example, I used to play semi-professional football, soccer, um, yeah. and I've just been playing in a couple of um, charity football matches, um, you know, for great cause, but, you know, and, and getting to have a run out. And I've, I've played two games, I think, and I both games, I think I only played 50 minutes of the 90 in both games. Dude, literally for a week after, a week, the back of my hamstrings, my quads, oh, my yeah. lower back, like literally I was like, what the hell? And obviously that's because I haven't played a, com a competitive football match since 2003. Understand. Right, right. But I just think age, not doing something for so long because I keep myself fit at work, but that's, that's what I do. So I'm used to doing that. It's when you step yeah. outside and go, Oh, I want to do that again. Like I used to. Right. That's, that's been tough. So I, that was an eye opener the last few weeks for me to be like, wow, this is taking me a week to recover after 50 minutes of football. Um, yeah. But I think the more I play, the better I'll get. I, you know, I love playing tennis. I play a lot of tennis normally. Um, oh, excellent. And I don't really get any major, you know, problems with, with, with tennis. It's obviously not as intensive as sprinting, running football. It is, but not, you know, not, not as much. But no, I just sure. think I'm hoping that the more football I play, the easier it's going to be on my body. But with, with no doubt, I think the older you get, the harder it is to recover. It is. Um, so I just try and manage that the best way I possibly can. And, you know, rest and sleep is, is important. Yeah. Well, and, and to that end, um, I, I think that's a good point, right? It's like, it, for, forget just like, can you actually do it? There's then like the backside of that needing to recover from it. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense. So like for you, like, what are you doing from a, a recovery standpoint that is really working well for you? Because I would have to imagine like, sometimes your body's getting put through like grueling situations for stunt work and then you're probably asked to come back on set and like run it back again uh in a very short amount of time like is there anything that you do um i know you mentioned like you pay great attention to like what you eat sleep what you drink yeah. um anything beyond that that really works well for you yeah i think you know we're fortunate working on a film for example that you know if there's you know especially even the last film and the film before that if there's an injury or there's soreness you know we've got a great physios, um, you know, masseuses that are on standby for that exact reason. And mm. what we try and do is, you know, a Radox hot Epsom salt bath, but then also, you know, I'll try and do ice baths and, and like cryo chamber stuff. And, um, yeah. you know, it's st stuff like that when we can and when it's available, but obviously a lot of dry needling with physios and deep tissue massage oh, cool. and, and stuff like that to try and ease off as much as possible. And listen, sometimes you at work, you get a big bang, and you need a painkiller. You need a, a you need a, a strong painkiller, a glass of red wine, a hot bath, and go to bed. And <laughs> that will that will help you. I mean, you're still going to be pretty achy when you wake up in the morning, but you know that that might help you. You know, I say that in in jest because it's you know sometimes that's if you haven't got the time, you finish late, and the physio can't see you, and you're in pain. You know, I just have a hot Epsom salt bath with a glass of wine, try and relax. And, and take a painkiller and then, you know, hopefully you're good to go the next day. But I think I've been doing it Run so it long. We've got, you know, things that we do to try and help with injuries, you know, you know, hot and cold, you know, you know, having people on set that can, you can call on luckily that can come and, you know, dry needle, 
massage yeah. like that, that just to just to try and give you every opportunity to get back to where you need to be. That's interesting. Well, and I, and I, you know, it, it makes sense because, and you kind of said as much earlier, like the stunt work that like I am now paying attention to, right? I guess it's always been there, but you know, it's like extremely athletic, the things that you guys are executing. So it makes sense that like, you know, a studio would also treat you guys as athletes, like whether it be like recovery, um, access to, you know, like you said, physios. Um, so it, it makes complete sense to me. Well, and, and maybe we can even like dial it back just a little bit. So you mentioned that there's like a big need for like talented stunt people in the industry, but like yeah. we need to get more people in that funnel. Um, so for someone who's listening to that and they're like, oh man, like that's, that's, that sounds way more like me than what Ken does day to day, sit in front of a computer. Like how, how, how would you recommend that someone goes about getting started? Are there like core disciplines or like some foundational skills that in today's world of stunt work are going to like help give you a, a fighting chance of getting work? Yeah, very much. So. I mean, here in the UK, it's different in the US and there's a different, okay. similar criteria in, in Australia, but it's slightly different. But here in the US, we have the BSR, the British Stunt Register, and you mm. have to actually be qualified and train in six disciplines. I think you can choose from like a, a possible 12 disciplines, but you have to qualify in six in categories. Um, really? Yeah, you have to. And you have to take tests. And that can take people sometimes, you know, it can take people for like five years and cost them £80,000 to get that qualification of their own money and their own Whoa. time. So they try and do their, their day-to-day job and then the evenings try and train and the weekends they train. That, you know, that is it's pretty full on. I think it also shows, I think it's a great system. It also shows the people that are committed and they, you know, they, they show that work ethic where they need to work hard to be able to achieve what they need to do. So luckily mm. for me, the six disciplines I chose were gymnastics, 10 meter high diving and trampolining. So because that's my background, I literally just took the tests and passed because it was my background, luckily yeah. for me, excuse me. So because of that, I only then had to train in three disciplines, which was swimming, scuba diving and kickboxing. And you had to kickboxing, for example, you had to be brown belt. You have to do all, all of the, um, so I had to have two amateur fights and record them as proof as part of what you have to do. Um, really? Brown belt. Yeah. So I had to train. Oh, awesome. That which was great, had fun, and then swimming, and then scuba diving. And then what happens is once you've got your six skills, um, one of them has to be a martial art. Once you have the six, you then go in front of the BSR, the British Stunt Register Committee, you know, the older stunt, stunt guys, and they kind of look through your, your stuff, look at your videos, look at your evidence. And then, oh, sorry, I forgot to mention that you also have to get 50 days camera experience. And they that could be being an extra that could, fortunately for me, I'd already done a lot of commercials. I did some short mm. films. So I built up my days that way, luckily. And I only had to do probably, I think, 10, 15 extra days out of the 50. I already had enough from my other previous jobs. So luckily for me, just so you can know what it's like to be on set and in front of camera. Wow. Um, so that's part of the criteria. So as you can imagine, that c- can take a long time. And I just think oh, it didn't, it didn't, it took me maybe between two and a half, three, three years, three and a half years. To, to get finished. But the reason for that was, was I actually got, um, I, I got bond at 23 and I, I had, I qualified in four of my six skills. So I still had two to get, but I basically had to take over a year off because I did bond straight into Prince of Persia. And then I jumped onto the last two Harry Potters and during Harry Potter, I got my last skills and qualified, but that was just something that Gary Powell, the stunt coordinator and his brother, Greg got me in. Um, they needed someone that was a specialist at this specific thing at my height and build. And at the time there wasn't many on the register that were able and the same height and build to be able to do what was needed. If they they were, they were already busy working on something else. So I was called in to do that, which was a great stepping stone for me and a, you know, a great into the industry and watch how it works very early on and then get qualified. And then once I was qualified, it was all good. Um, But I I think it's a great, so in in the States, there's not an actual register, stunt register. So, but obviously the, the, the top stunt coordinators and secondary directors and, you know, fighter rangers, all of the top people, that know the top people employ the top people, but it, right. you know, you can, you can get into it if you know, know someone that knows someone and they might, sh- but again, what helps a lot more now is social media and show reels and being able to show what you can do instead of just saying you can do it when you really yeah. can't. So it's very different now. And I think that as much as I love the, the BSR, and I think it's a great thing that we have here in the UK. I hope that it continues and I hope that, you know, and we grow with the times and we change things as we go. Um, but as we know, B 
being able to show something to someone that's evidence of what you can do on a video right. on a phone at the touch of a button, the touch of an email, there's my showreel, what do you think? It's, yeah. very, it's very powerful for people getting employed these days, which, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And it's, um, well, and look, you know, I, I don't know if my buddy's going to listen to this. I have a buddy in the States who I, I played football with in college and he's now, he does stunt work. And I think like the qualification for him was like, are you willing to fall down this flight of stairs to get this initial role? You know what I mean? Cause I remember being like, wow, how are you qualified to do this? Like, I didn't know you were training. I didn't know. Um, so it's very cool to hear that in the UK, I mean, there, I mean, not just like a, a bar to entry, but like a very high bar to entry that I have to imagine is probably, prohibitive for a lot of people to get through because like you have to master multiple disciplines. Um, and then like, it's a, sounds like a substantial investment in terms of like time and, and resources too to get all that done. So that's, that's really remarkable. Um, well, and, and let me ask you this too. So one of the things that I've appreciated and, and maybe we can switch to talking about your book a little bit. Um, you seem to be uh, equally as driven to kind of like spread education and awareness about um, improving like physical, you know, and mental well-being. Um, so, you know, you have a new book coming out June twentieth. Uh, can can we talk a little bit about uh, about June the project? 20th. We have. I wasn't even prepared. That just appeared there. Um, <laughs> June twentieth um, is my debut children's book that I wrote, and there's a great story behind this. And I think the motivation is such a great story to, 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 to for kids to basically latch onto and, and read and, and hopefully inspire young children um, with this book. Because I had back surgery in March 2019 after Extraction 1, where I had my two titanium discs. And I, it was the biggest operation of my life. And I knew that I was going to be out of work recovering for between six to nine months. And that was just what I had to be prepared for. But I think as much as I'd been working solidly for so long up until then, and even after the surgery and now, I've never had that m amount of time off. I've just been lucky enough to be go from job to job to job to job. Yeah. You get used to that over the years. So when it came up, I was like, okay, I need to prepare myself. I'm not going to work now for the next six to nine months. And, and I thought I was preparing myself, but I knew it was going to be difficult physically. I didn't realize how difficult it would be mentally as well. Ah. The two combined was a real struggle um, in early 2019. And you know, the, you have all this time on your hands and you're laying there. And normally I don't have that time on my hands. I'm busy working to think of overthink things and you know it can be a real mental it was a real mental challenge and it was a battle and it was kind of damn has this worked has it gone wrong mm. i feel bad today as or i feel worse this week than i did last week have, have i have i twinged it somehow have i moved yeah. the disc or so there That's was a lot of things that were running through my mind and it was it was painful to walk it was painful to rehab it was it was really tough and i think that creeps up on you mentally and it did and, it, and it, I, I struggled for a long time and I you know a good friend of mine was actually our, it was our publicist in in Australia um for for center Antoinette is her name um good friend of mine and and was I was laying in bed recovering after the surgery and she said what you can do now and I said well I don't know I'll have to try and wait till I recover and hopefully get back to my job and hopefully be able to do it the best I was doing it before or the way I was doing it before if not better if possible but you know there's right. a part of thinking will I ever come back because I was just in that mental battle with myself um and she said why don't you write a book and i was like hold on a minute like i i'm not academic um i hardly went to school which i'm not proud of i was i was bad at school it just wasn't my thing um and, yeah, and that's yeah. another thing that i like to try and point out this you know such an emphasis on education and it has to be i totally agree with that but uh, mm. some people are just better at other things than they are at other things if that makes sense i'm sure oh, absolutely. well i Absolutely. Yeah. And we can talk about that a little bit too, but I, I just had a conversation yeah. with a guy who's the, um, really interesting guy. He's the professor of, he runs the lab for like health and well-being at George Mason. It's all about like mental health, personal fulfillment. Um, and we talk a little bit about that. It's like, well, yeah, like how many of these kids are set up for success, you know, when success in school is just like, Hey, can you memorize all these historical facts and regurgitate them back? Yeah. It's like, how yeah. many talented people are we letting slip through the cracks yeah. Uh, who are have crazy talents, passions, abilities, and we're just not catering to them. Yeah, the exactly. Ken, mate, and that's exactly it. And I think there needs to be more awareness of that. And people need to be, you know, I understand that the education is there. It has to be there and it moves on. And, you know, you've got yeah. to be writing a book. Now they've got iPads and laptops and whatever at school, which is fine. We have to adapt with the times. I totally agree. But, you know, like exactly what you said, if, if a kid shows talent elsewhere, that should be, you should zone in on that and promote that. Yeah. You show the enjoyment, the talent, 
you know, keep up with everything else, but also not don't just discard that and say, no, you need to stay in with your books. It's not the, I don't feel like that's the way. And I feel like, you know, there needs to be, that needs to change. But I guess that's another thing. But I mean, you know, go back to me writing the story. The, the book was, yeah. I, I kind of, as soon as my friend said it to me, I just laughed it off. I was kind of like, what are you talking about? That's, that's not my thing. I don't, I don't write books. I'm, you know, I'm a stuntman. I land on my head for a living. That's why I do what I do because I'm a, you know, I work as a physical performer and that's my, what I hope I'm good at. Um, so when I got off the phone to her, I, I, I laid there for a minute. I was like, well, I can't do any physical right now. You know, and she said, just think about something that inspires you, something that you would like to inspire other people with and what right. would motivate you to, and I sat there and, you know, my stepdaughter's 10, Taylor Ray, and my little nephew, Eddie, um, is five now, but the time was three. Um, awesome. cause it was a couple of years ago, but then COVID hit. So there was a bit of a delay on the book, but I laid there and I wrote this first draft in four days and it's a chapter book. It's got some great pictures in it. An illustrator, a friend of mine, Katharina, illustrated the book, and it's amazing. Very yeah. colorful. Um, and what the message, the most important thing for me is in, in, in the book is Eddie starts off um, like most like most young kids are. You know, it's not it's not a big deal. You know, they're just they're just all over the place. They're scatty. They're not listening to their mum. The bedroom's tidy. They don't brush their hair yeah. when they're told. They don't brush their teeth. They don't make their bed. Simple things that is just part of discipline, learning and, and understanding us getting older in life and what you need to yeah. do. It's very easy. And kids are kids, right? So they'll, you know, when we were, when we were kids and younger, we'd be out in the, in the yard playing until dark. Your mum have to call right. you in for dinner and you'd be like, quick, come in. And you just want to stay out, run around crazy, fresh air. Now it's so easy for kids to just pick up an iPad, a phone, computer, and just be zoned onto that all day. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It, it's just not how it used to be. And I think we have to try and step back and go back to basics a little bit. And I totally agree with technology and we have mm. to stay up with the times that is part and parcel. But if you can marry those two things together and, and, and utilize, you know, and utilize what you need to there, but also go back to get outside, be a bit, bit fitter, healthier, have fun, try new mm. things, be physical, eat, eat better, you know, like just, and kids, you know, they just don't know. So in the book, we've got, at the back of the book, we've got um, little little workout tips at the back of the book. Well, and I wanted to bring that up. I loved it. Like, ah. so, you know, not, not to cut you off there, but I was reading the book last night and I'm like sitting in bed and uh, and I have it on my iPad and, you know, my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm you know preparing for the interview tomorrow. I'm reading a book. And I know she looks over and she sees pictures and she's like, oh, okay, yeah, good luck with all that. <laughs> um, but I loved it because number one, the story is great. Like ki kids, kids need heroes, right? They do. I mean, look, I mean. I'm sitting here with like a Transformers mug. I don't know yeah. if that's on brand for, you know, your Marvel contract, but, um, you know, like th those are like the things that I remember from my childhood. Right. And like, you look up to these like hero figures and it, it, in some level, it gives you something to aspire for it. Oftentimes it's physical, but it could be a whole bunch of different things. Um, and so I love the fact that like you kind of honed in on that, on this book, but then what I thought was fantastic is then. It, there's that dose of inspiration with like the story, right? And I don't want to give anything away. Um, but then like the back, it's like, here's like the application. It's like, hey, you want to start like being more like this guy now? Like here's five things that you can do in your bedroom without a single thing that you can start like trying to be like this person now. And I was yeah. like, man, like that's like, that is like the sort of book I would have loved to have had in my hands. It's like, I don't know, third grader. Cause I would have just yeah. been so ecstatic that one of my like, you know, idols had like written a book and I get to read it. And then he's going to tell me like how I can start to like get on that path to doing things the right way. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, kids need that stuff. Kids need that stuff. And I think the, the best thing about it is it's a fun book. And look, for example, you know, Eddie, my little nephew he loves the Avengers. He loves Thor. He loves Hulk, but right. he watches the film and he watches them do what they do. But where, you know, where do we go to, to find out how we, how we, how we achieve that? How do we become yeah. a superhero? So in the book, you know, if Eddie joins, a, a, it doesn't, and it doesn't matter what the sport is or what club it is, if it's gymnastics, trampolining, high diving, a martial art, horse riding, whatever it is, yeah. go and join a club, see if you love it. If you enjoy it, pursue it. If you don't, then try something else. Um, it's, it's keeping you fit and healthy. It's great for you mentally. It's great for, you know, you know, and you can pick up again, like I said, there's nutritional tips in there as well, but it, it gives you an idea at a young age Oh, that's accessible for me. I can go and join a club and I could be Eddie the, and, and, and meet Flipboy and do all these things. And um, without knowing that, how do we, how do we, they just watch it and go, oh, I must be able to do that. And that's 
that can be dangerous. They go outside and they try what they see and they don't understand. They get upset, they hurt their leg or whatever. Right. And they get, they're frustrated why they can't do it. It's because you need to practice, you need to join clubs, you need to go professionally and do it properly. Um, build, yeah. I just think there's not enough of that right now for younger kids at that age range. The books for six to 12 year olds at that age range. I think there's a gap in the market and I hope that I can fill it with this. Yeah, no. And I, I thought that too. Like, I thought it was interesting. Like when I first opened, it I was like, oh, awesome. Like he did a kid's book. And then as I was reading it, you know, initially I was going to sit down with my, my two young boys. Like, you know, that's, that's of our bedtime routine. Like that's where I step in the two boys. Like I handle them. We do our two stories. It's almost always dinosaurs. And I was like, oh, like maybe I'll read this to them tonight. And then as I was going through, I was like, no, this is more geared towards my daughter who's seven. Um, and I'm actually excited. So when it comes out, I'm going to order a physical copy. But like I would love I'm going to put that put that on her nightside table. Uh, and that'll be a book that like she can work through. You know what I mean? And in some ways, like, she, you know, she might struggle with some of it. But it's awesome because it's something that she can kind of take ownership of. It's something that relates to her. Um, but more importantly, like it's building some of these great kind of foundational principles uh, for kids at a young age. And I agree, like being a parent right now, it, it's a crazy time. Like I, mm -hmm. I'm pretty adamant that like, you know, we, I got the kids like a Nintendo Wii or whatever. Um, and it's a blast and we play it every once in a while, but mostly I'm trying to keep the devices out of their hands. Yeah. They it's find so these cool. things so and I don't know how, like they, they, my son, my two-year-old knows how to get to the dinosaur game on his mom's phone. Like it's a tough uphill battle. So it's yeah. like the more that we and can reinforce. It is such a tough hill battle. And it's, yeah. just, you know, it's just the way that it is now. And just like you said, to try and for us to try and remember that and try and go, okay, well, you know, use it for an hour and then we're going to do something physical or, you know, right. we're going to read that and do something physical. And I think also writing this, I didn't just make up a story. I just draw, drew on my past experiences, drew on my experience with Taylor and, and Eddie and I'm an advocate for this, the book. I, I started gymnastics when I was four years old. I, I competed for Great Britain until I was 17. I used to train five to six days a week, sometimes between three and five hours per session. So my wow. whole life is that. So, yeah. it, and if you do put that hard work in and you find something you enjoy and you want to be the best at it and you, and you focus on it, it comes with everything else in life, discipline, work ethic, you know, listening to people when they're telling you. Right. Because I think it, just, it teaches you so many lessons and I wouldn't be sitting here right now with, you know, I'm, sometimes I don't sit back enough and appreciate the things that I have done because you just go, 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 go. Yeah. But every now and again, like you said, like you mentioned my IMDb and I'm like, actually, you forget sometimes, but I've got all those things to be so proud of. And I would yeah. not have had those things. I would not be sitting here now with those kind of credits of this job that I've got unless I did gymnastics from the age that I did it. And I'm not saying that you have to do gymnastics. It can be anything. But I yeah. just think it's important for children to find something they love. And if they want, and it's fun, it needs to be fun. If they right. want to be the best at it, you've got to work hard. And that's that's a good life lesson and a life skill to learn. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've had a bunch of conversations with people from a bunch of different walks of life. And it's like, you know, I haven't met one person yet who's like, nah, sports isn't really like a good investment in time. Yeah, but it just, it, it's so transferable. Like, whether it's at work, whether uh, just in your personal life, dealing with adversity, dealing with hard times, like, understand how to operate within a team when you're in a team environment. Like there's just so many fantastic skills. So I, I couldn't agree more. Um, well, Hey, and, and let me ask you this. So kind of on the topic of the book. So <sighs> bless you. you hey, favorite, Al allergies. Oh. So bad. You know what? I'm ashamed yeah. to admit I've got a pollen tracker up on my desktop. I mean, I'm, I'm fighting the same battle as you. Um, and we can wrap this up here in a minute, but one thing I wanted to ask you, you know, like your quote unquote day job is extremely demanding, not just in terms of like physical demands, but like you might not be in one different place of the world at another time. You've, you've written this book, you have other pursuits. Like I know you own a gym. I know you're working with like the center app. Um, you know, what, what to you is helping you kind of like manage all of these things? Cause you do, you know, again, it looks like you have a lot on your plate right now. Like is there anything that's like kind of helping you be able to like operate at a high level in, in multiple fields? Um, do you know what? I think I always draw, go back to, to basics. I'm a, a big worrier of everything. You know, I'm always mm. worried. You know, I have to know what I'm doing. I make, you know, I've got OCD in, the, in respect that I, you know, have notes in my phone, my diary. And I, it's, so I know what's happening because my memory's not the best. So no, I know okay. if there's something in my, you know, if someone tells me something that's important and I don't write it down, 
then uh, the next hour I'm like, what did they say? I know it's important. It needs to be done soon. Um, so for me, I found a formula that, you know, it might not be great, but I have to refer back to my notes and, and my diary. What do I need to do? Once I've done it, I just delete it. And I, I feel like I've done something and accomplished something in my day. Um, but I still try and do that and try and juggle that with work and center and training. But I just think that as much as things are, there's a lot of things to do at once. And, it, and I think I try and sometimes go back to a very basic thing that I was, I was taught a couple of years ago that don't think too far ahead. Don't hmm. worry about the past has happened. Just yeah. deal with the present, what we can do right now. So I take a deep breath and go, okay, right, what, what do I need to do now? Okay, we need to go and shoot a workout for center. Let's get that done. Let's make sure they're happy with that. We get that sent off. Boom, tick it off, delete it off the, off the list. What do I need to do now? Okay, yeah. we need to go and, you know, at work, we, we train with the actors or, or whatever. I need to go and do my own personal training or whatever it may be. Um, I just think trying to find a routine, I, and I think routine from a young age in gymnastics it very much yeah. helped me with routine is so key to me and important that every day I know I've got to train. Otherwise, the, if, I, if I, it, does, it doesn't matter if I'm not the best for mornings and for training. And I never was as a gymnast. I was not, not great in the mornings because four or five days a week were in evenings after school. Oh, okay. So I think my body got used to that. Um, but if I can train in the morning, I will because then it's done for the rest of the day I've got, I can crack on knowing that I've already trained. If yeah. I don't train when I'm supposed to, that might be in the morning or later on. If I miss that and I go, oh, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. I don't stop thinking about it. I'm literally like, shit, I need to, I need to, yeah. I need to train. And it actually messes up my day and it messes up my mind and what I need to do and not be as um, you know, efficient with other things. Because so going back to that, like we said before, just making sure that my, my start and basic of my routine will be to make sure I train and make sure I eat well. Six mm. days a week, I make sure I train and I eat as well as I possibly can. And listen, you know, every now and again, that's, that's the principle I try and stick to, but you know, I'm, I love chocolate. You know, I'm not going to lie. I love ice cream every now and again. I'll charged. Have, yeah. And, and, and every now and again, I'll, I'll have some during the week or whatever. And it'll be like, okay, well I should need to work a bit harder in the gym tomorrow. But generally yeah. my, what I try, the structure that I try and keep to is, you know, eating well and training five to six days a week. Um, and then I think that just puts me in good stead for everything else I need to do. If one of those yeah. goes off, you kind of like, ah, oh, I've blown it now. Let's just leave it. I might as well, I might as well eat loads, loads of chocolate now and, and just yeah. worry about it tomorrow. Then it's a knock-on effect. And then the next day you're like, oh, damn, I've missed. I've, I'm now behind. So I just try and my main, my most important thing, I think, you know, trying to get back to what you're saying is trying to keep a routine. Yeah, I love that. And um, I mean, that might even be a great place to end it because I, I love that. Uh, I don't know if quote is the right word, but this thought of like, look, what, what's happened in the past is done. There's no changing that. Don't look too far ahead. It's like deal with kind of what's in front of you. Um, I often find that people who are really accomplishing incredible things, it's like they just have an ability to just steadfast, just keep checking things off the list. You know, and it, I'm sure it feels like a slog, like for like for me, like I can relate to that with even just trying to get this show out week to week. Um, but it's like all of a sudden you look back and it's like, wow, like in in the fray, in the moment, you know, it felt like I was behind. But when you take a step back, like I like I have to imagine you feel with your IMDB profile, you know, you're like, whoa, like that's 50 different credits. And a lot of these are major blockbusters. And like, look at the amazing people that I've worked with. Like, that's got to be pretty cool. Um, yeah, right. Well, let, think, let me ask. Think, yeah, yeah, go to, ahead, please. You know, to get to that point and get to achieve whatever it works for me and whatever I do is a lot of saying about routine and stuff. It obviously works. So, yeah. it, you know, that the proof's in the pudding there. So I'm like, well, to maintain, I need to keep doing this and let's try and get better. Let's try and get better. Yeah. Every day. So what I've already yeah. done, let's try and improve on that. Let's try and get better. So, you know, I feel like there's a formula there that works and, you know, I'm stepping across a little bit more into acting now, which I'm loving. We've got a film coming out later this year called School Fight. It was an action comedy that um, a very good friend of mine, Damien Walters, wrote and directed and, and myself, um, Paul Lowe and Greg Townley, we all we all um, do our own stunts and starring as well. So I'm excited for people to see that. So it's, it's a fun Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, and we hope to get, get to do another one soon. So there's lots of things happening and I'm juggling lots of things and I think it's a good time for me in my career now to, to, to just try and branch out, step outside my comfort zone and try new things. And that's, you know, exactly that with the book. I was never, never even crossed my mind. And now I'm, you know, a published author. So I'm, I'm proud of Published that, author. Know? Amazing. Amazing. So, um, okay. Acting, acting's on the horizon. I'll, I'll let you go here because uh, you've been super gracious with your time. Uh, any other big projects we should be aware of? We've got, we've got Thor coming out here soon. Uh, the book is coming out June 20th. You've got your own movie, which I did not realize, but that sounds awesome. Are, are, so are you, um, 
you know, I, again, I imagine you're crazy busy, so it's probably what your schedule allows. Um, but is, is, is acting something that, uh, you really want to focus on here as you start to like, you know, uh, either transition out of stunt work eventually over time or like, where's your head at? I, I think, um, you know, we, and not we, to, re- not to retire you, by the way, I realized no, that might've come yeah, up. Like, no, Jesus, no, man, like I'm 38, yeah. cut me a break, man. Yeah. It's, you know, it's about, um, you know, like trying new things like we talked, we talked about before and, you know, school fight will come out later this year. And I, that was something I'd never tried before really. And I absolutely loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. It was so much fun. And I felt a real buzz awesome. of, oh, I love that. Let's do more of that. And hopefully we're, you know, hopefully we're in talks now to do another one, which would be amazing. So I'd like to be able to branch and, and do a bit of both. Um, you know, like you said, we've got School Fight coming out this year, which is kind of my acting debut. I've got the book coming out on June the 20th um, this year, which I'm, I'm, I'm excited about. Hopefully we can make a series of these if it does well. You know, I've got so many ideas for bringing in superhero girls and bring Taylor and my niece into it. So I've got lots awesome. of ideas for that. Um, Thor 2, we've got coming out next month and then Extraction very much early next year. And I did a film um, with Matthew Vaughan was directing a film called Argyle um, and me and um, Greg Townley play a, little, a small little part in that with Sam Rockwell is one of my heroes. Um, we do his film with Sam. So it was, I really enjoyed it. It was amazing. And, and Matthew, we're working closely with Matthew now because he is um, actually school fight is he's, he's one of the producers of our film school fight that will be out later this year. So let's, let's see what happens. I mean, I'm, I'm open to, trying what I'm what I'm loving at the moment enjoying and hopefully we can do more of it and yeah hopefully uh hopefully it works out but you know it's it's um again back to that juggling act and what I can do yeah. when I can do it but I'm going to do my best to try and do as much of a, as I possibly can so you're uh and, and I will let you go here I promise but your Sam Rockwell comment just like made a light bulb go off so yeah he just had a new movie come out called bad guys so I don't know if it, people haven't seen that yet. It's one of like the best yeah. animated films I've ever seen. My kids and I love it. I agree. I took I took Taylor, my stepdaughter, to watch it. We absolutely loved it. Sorry, so so good. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'll let you go here. But my go. kids would not forgive me if I did not ask. Harry Potter. Where where were you in Harry? I mean, this you're talking to someone who lives in like a Harry Potter house. Okay, um, I, was, I was a I was a Death Eater and a Snatcher. Uh, throughout the, the last the last two movies um of the of the franchise i was a definitely okay. and, uh, and a snatcher and um yeah that's another that was a great always you know harry potter's huge here as well it was obviously almost royalty here harry potter so um, oh yeah that was amazing and an honor to work on with some great people um and in the museum in, in warner brothers i've got my own little brick in the wall my name which is it's great it's great to show that's that amazing. taylor and take you know my nephews and whatever and godchildren to see that type of thing it's it's great well, if I didn't have my kids' interest with Thor, we we definitely got him with Harry Potter. So okay, good. Um, well, awesome. Hey, Bobby, thank you so much, man. This has been such a great conversation. Um, and at some point, we'll have to have you back on. And I can't wait to see School Fight. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. yeah, I'll let you know when that's out. And uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted. We'll get all the information to you about when the book's out, June the 20th. Um, June the 20th, excellent. Sale, it's $15.99 Australian dollars um, online, Booktopia, Amazon Book. Um, and then in, start off in Australia be, and it's published by um, the pub, my publisher's Rolga. So, um, yeah, watch this space. We'll have some links set up and sent across for, for the book and hopefully it does well. Hope, hopefully awesome. people love it. Well, hey, man, be- best of luck um, and we're excited to see what comes next. Cool, dude. Thanks very much for having me, mate. Good to talk you, to you, Ken. You got it. Then, mommy. You better go ask mommy, daddy. <laughs> Well, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> People are like I thought it was the end of the show. Why are you? Why are we starting all over again with another interview? Uh, because we like to chat. We like yeah. to break it down. We keep doing these so sporadically, though. Yeah. That I think I'm out for a while, and then you invite me to come back and chat with you afterwards. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm back in. You're not out. It's just that we're so busy. I'm just busy. Yeah, you're. Uh-huh. It's very tough to get on your schedule. I know. Um, that and. We typically record these after the kids go to bed, mm-hmm. but once the kids typically go to bed, slash ninety nine percent of the time we, we crash. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like the weirdest thing. It's like you're able as a parent to like hold out just long enough to get the kids down, mm-hmm. and then it's like everything just falls apart. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's That's how I feel. It's a mess. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, I know when we first started doing this, though, I we yeah. we were consistent with it. Yeah. And I almost always was like breastfeeding a baby whilst <laughs> doing this. That's true. Yeah, we went to some great lengths. So there was a lot done. of like lip slapping and like sucking noises in That's the background. Right. Oh boy. Some of those early episodes. Yeah. Lot of uh a lot of adult content. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of adult content, <laughs> people are like, what? Yeah, wait, what? Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> what episode was this again? <laughs> yeah. Love and Thunder. Yeah. I can't wait to go watch it. Yeah, we're going Friday. Going tomorrow. Yeah. Big stuff. So, um, so it's funny. I, you know, normally we try and do takeaways. I found myself just like enjoying listening to this one. Yeah, this is a fun listen. You know what I mean? Well, I was a fan before. True. Yeah, I was a fan before you were. <laughs> That's true. Um, I don't even know how I, how I must have because I probably because I follow Chris Hemsworth and right. he would tag him and stuff as he talked about. And yeah. The, I was like, oh, who's this Bobby Dazzler? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I, I mentioned this. Uh, you haven't heard it yet, but I mentioned it in the intro. Um, social media for all of my issues with it. This is one of those things that's really cool. Like the ability to see behind the scenes as they're filming this stuff, what goes into some of these stunts, I think is really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Like when I was growing up, to to even get a chance to see anything like that, you'd have to hope that there was some like extra scenes at the end of a movie. Yeah. I felt like they used to do that. Like They did used to do that. I don't think they do that anymore. Right. Like it would almost be like a little mini like bio a, like on the bloopers movie. Bloopers and stuff. Bloopers. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, you, like growing up, you just didn't get to see that stuff or it wasn't easy. Now yeah. it's like you can literally see like how he did it. He'll even add a little commentary. It's just, you know, it's just very cool. So cool. Because uh, I do think like a lot of that stuff, I'm like, that's CGI. Like, I don't think that's real. Yes. And that is a, a good point. Not. A lot of it is real. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, like that one, I mean, we talked about it a little bit on the show. The one, it was one of the Avengers movies where he gets ripped into like this log. Yeah. When you watch it, you're like, oh, there's no way they actually did that to somebody. Yeah. And he's like, no, we did it. We just like turned up <laughs> the PSI. So crazy. And just ripped me back. It's crazy. Um, but that's that's one of the things that I thought was really interesting is to hear over there in the United Kingdom the lengths that you have to go through to become like a stunt actor. Which is like responsible. You would think that. Yeah. How has it not always been that way? <laughs> I know. But to, cause that, that requires so much skill. Right. And the margin of error, like if you make a mistake, exactly, that's, yeah. that could be life or death. Yeah. So you should have to be put through rigorous tests to put yourself in those situations. Cause I like, I honestly, I would like to know what it is in America. Yeah, we got to ask my buddy Shippy. Shippy would be a great guest. Yeah, yeah, you should have him on. Yeah, Shippy, if you're listening, <laughs> come on over. Um, yeah, I, it's crazy because it's like, yeah, what they're doing is extremely athletic, at least the stuff he's doing. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's it's pretty like high, highly technical, like highly athletic. Human. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so cool. Really I cool. mean- you know, some of these stunts that I, that I saw when I was like kind of preparing for this, like there's one where he like, he goes off a high dive and he dives through a car into a pool. Oh God. I didn't see that one. That's crazy. And it's like, it's again, not CGI. Like he did it. I hope, I hope I'm not like describing that incorrectly, but like that's what it was. That's so crazy. It's wild. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit. <laughs> like yeah. someone's doing that. Like how much planning and prep has to go in to pull something like that off? Oh my God, I know. And precision. Oh my God. Yeah. But, you know, something that I did take away from this one is it's like just how much of a grind it is for these guys to do this stuff. Because it's not like you're an athlete where you're just like performing and training at home. Like they're all over the world. They're, yeah. And they're having to like stay in like peak physical condition on set. Like I'm sure their access to like weight rooms and all of that stuff is constantly changing. Yeah. Um, you, you probably have, have a family and a social life. Yeah. Yeah. You probably have to like really be able to adapt. Totally. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought it was great. Here's what I really loved too. I loved how um, focused he was on inspiring kids. I know. It's so nice. Yeah. Well, it, but I, I we talked about it. It's like kids need that stuff. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, for me, it was like baseball players, ba football players, basketball players growing up. And like the ones who took the time to like give back in some way to the kids like that, that goes so far. Yeah. And what's really cool is, you know, what he's doing is super unique, but there's a lot of kids who probably get like really fired up and inspired by that. And sure. so the fact that he's like doing things to make it more accessible, he wrote that book. Um, I, it's just awesome. 
I mean, because like kids in general are little daredevils. Absolutely. Who, I mean, who, what kid doesn't try to like flip off their couch? Yeah. All well, of our kids. Exactly. Kids need stuff to aspire to. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying all these kids are going to go out and become like stunt actors, but it's like, man. No, but that's like a cool, op- like that's also something. Did you know that was an option? Exactly. Like that's If like- I did, I didn't take it seriously. Yeah. And I wouldn't have even known where to begin to look. Yeah. So that's what's cool. It's like now it's like, hey, here's someone who's doing it. And they're telling me like, you know, kind of like how to get started a little bit. Yeah, it's awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I'm excited I'm, for Harper to read it. Yeah. I'm really excited to go see this movie, by the way. I am too. I, I do love the Thor movies. <laughs> I will say, I think the Thor movies are my favorite in the whole in the Marvel franchise. Yeah. yeah. Now, it didn't so, start out that way. What, you're Iron Man guy? I really liked Iron Man. Yeah. I really liked Iron Man. Um, hmm. Iron Man was probably number one for me. Yeah, I could see I that. I mean, Johnny Stark. Johnny Stark? Is it Johnny Stark? John Stark? What is to- it? It's Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Oh, what is Johnny? Oh, my God. I got to look this up. I don't know. There's some, some, <laughs> I'm like getting my wires crossed. Sorry. You really exposed yourself. Yeah. <laughs> no, what I do. Tony, Tony Stark. Damn, what's his name? The actor? Um, I'm having a total oh, I can't remember. brain meltdown. Oh my God, Robert Downey Robert Jr. Downey Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, he's just so good. But here's what I love. Like, I, I, here's why I think I liked Iron Man early on. A lot of comedy. Yeah. Right out the gate. Thor started out more serious. There, I mean, it was lighthearted. But yeah, what but it's, now it's really funny. What it's progressed to now. It's so good. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, Okay, last thing to try and make some sense of this. <laughs> I mean, our daughter quotes the the line with the, <laughs> the rock guy in the Ragnarok one. Yes. She'll like quote that little exchange in <laughs> the rock, paper, scissors, shoot joke all the time. Just a little rock, paper, scissors joke. <laughs> no need to be scared. <laughs> scissors. Um, it's so good. Well, and, and here's what I like too. And I was thinking about this as I was talking to him. It's like, you know, he probably felt like what credentials do I have to be like a children's book author? Mm-hmm. It's like, you just did it. Yeah. And to me, it's kind of like, you just got to get it. Like the people who can get comfortable with getting out of their depth and trying new things. Like those are the ones who do some pretty special stuff. Totally. It's like, if you always stay in your comfort lane, like, you know, you're probably, <laughs> probably not going to do much because <laughs> it's hard to get out there. No, I know. <sighs> Very cool. I also loved, I already liked this like Tim a lot, but I love that he was in Harry Potter. Yeah, that was big. I knew that was going to be big for you and the kids. Yeah. Death Eater. I know. And a snatcher. Well, and again, like, again, I would have thought that was completely just CGI. What do you mean? The Death Eater scenes. If I'm thinking of the right thing. Oh, the Death Eaters are the guy in the ho- guys in the hoods. Are they the ones that, like, fly around and they make the screeching sound? No, no, those are Dementors. Oh, Silly. wait, what's a Death Eater then? A Death Eater... <laughs> Death Eater is one of Lord Voldemort's followers, like his hardcore followers. Oh. <laughs> like his henchmen, kind of. Got it. We got to go back and figure out where he was. I know. I meant to do that today. Yeah, I bet you did. But the kids were. <laughs> you didn't, didn't want to watch Bobby Hollinan with the kids around. All right. <laughs> That's fine. Fair enough. I'll take it. All right. We're at our wits end here, and I'm recording this in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably best we wrap this up. Yeah. Unless you have anything else to share. Me? Yeah. I mean, you had hard grapes a little bit. They haven't been on here in a while. Oh my gosh. I hate when you put me on. No, I don't. I really don't have anything okay. else. All right. Cool. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> you just went brunette today, actually, which is exciting. I, I I thought to maybe share that, but I was like, no one cares. <laughs> nah, but you know, there's some, there's some people out there that care. They want to know what's going on with you. Yeah. No, I, I was blonde this morning and now I'm brunette. Now you're brunette. So that's a big change. Yeah. Big change. all right well on that note everybody have a great week and uh we will talk to you next week enjoy all right